0: Go listen to the Lucha Yovers Podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.
2: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
3: Hey kids, do you like professional wrestling? We like professional wrestling too. There's a shake them ropes, the 2022 shake them ropes Christmas spectacular. <laughs> I'm Jeff Hawkins, along with Chris Brito, who was not expecting that intro. No,
2: uh, I'm the Ghost of Christmas Future, baby.
3: <laughs> oh, oh you just, are you just slide into the DMs. Oh, are you just gonna like uh, you got to point at gravestones of of dead children? Is that
2: <laughs> yeah? That's how I, that's what usually happens on the first date. That's
3: <laughs> spirit. What can I do to to fix this? <laughs> you can't. Tiny Tim's gonna die. Too bad. <laughs> yes, <that's... laughs> I'm a romantic at heart. I have not watched any holiday themed stuff, and I've been on vacation the last week. <laughs> I'm gonna to have to do that tonight. I think I, 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 probably some Emmett Otters Jug Band Christmas on Disney Plus. You know, maybe maybe Festivus since we are taping this on the 23rd. The Festivus episode of Seinfeld is always a good thing. I'm gonna try and try and get my family to watch Scrooged. I don't think they're gonna go for that, but because the ones that they a little bit more wholesome, like Die Hard. I don't know. <laughs> what 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 do you got going on for your holiday? What what's getting you in the spirit, Chris?
2: I bought eggnog, and I I poured whiskey into that eggnog. Oh, that you know what? That is something I have
3: not yet done, and I love eggnog.
2: Yeah, I I bought a bottle of bullet rye and eggnog. So you're putting rye in your eggnog? Yeah.
3: Not bourbon? No. Huh.
2: I like rye.
3: Well, I like rye. I just have never imagined doing it in the nog. That's the thing. It's like I've a you know some makers, some buffalo trace, you know things like that. I I, I put an eggnog, but never rye. I was just like, like oh well, okay, well, that might I, be something know,
2: with a little bit of coffee. Uh, oh, coffee is good. Yeah, you you so you you do the eggnog, you do the coffee, then you do the rye, and mm-hmm. that uh, that has really made me think about the meaning <laughs> behind the season. Oh, really? Has it? Yeah, it's actually making me think that maybe I need to think harder about the meaning of the season right now while we do this show. Doctor kind of
3: Pepper th- and bourbon, what? which I'm currently imbibing. I don't in.
2: have that around here, but I do have the rye.
3: Yeah, it's quite a well. You know what? Doctor Pepper and rye might not be the worst thing in the world either. Now that I'm thinking about it. Huh. Yes, Christmas is all about alcohol. That's all. <laughs>
2: it really, it really is. Like when we when we get down to the meaning of any holiday. It's about catching a buzz with your family. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes because you like them and sometimes because you don't. Which one are you? A family?
3: Yeah. Getting drunk oh. with the fam.
2: Um, well, I'm not as big of a, as I undo the, uh. <laughs> I heard it. Oh, I heard yeah, it I like, the back. I, I know. I'm, like, I'm not that big of a drinker. Funk. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um. So, I would say that it depends. I I always scan the crowd, right? Because, like, invariably, it's not that I can't mind my own language at this stage of my life. Younger Chris, eh, a little more of a debate. But at this stage of my life, I'm not the problem now. Now, what is the problem is my parents will have friends over who drink too much, Ah. and they are the initiator of, like, Oh, Chris, uh, still doing that politics show? And then they, <laughs> then they want to tell me about this thing that they watched, you know, like recently on the news in the last week. And what do I have to say about that then there? And, you know, I and now like I'm just like not even really doing the show. And that doesn't stop it, Jeff. The worst part, the worst part of all of it, Jeffrey, is that I don't even do the show right now. And that's still not enough of a deterrent. Still doing the podcast? No, I took a break. And
3: I saw this really interesting thing on TV the other day. <laughs> Jesus, please stop. Like, God, no. <laughs> see, mine is more of a festive thing because my parents don't have anybody over ever. It's it's the only people we see other than ourselves are, are my aunt, uncle, and my cousins and their families. And then that's also a festive thing. We see them on Christmas Eve usually. But it's become kind of a laugh riot watching football and getting a couple and everybody and just 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 yucking it up. Although although my dad doesn't... You still do that blog? I mean, you mean my podcast? Yes. <laughs> he still doesn't know it's a podcast. Anyways, I've been talking about it for like eight years now. But yeah, no, uh, mine is more festive and argumentative until my brother decides he needs to be the entertainer of the family. I say, you will watch this show. It's like, I don't... I'm not going to have time to finish it, so I don't care, Chris. It's just... Yeah, sure. The old man seems pretty great. And I've watched a couple episodes of it. So I went on the internet and spoiled myself to see what happened because I knew i would never going to finish it. And he got mad at that because he thought I was going to ruin it for my parents. And my parents can't remember anything they watched yesterday for the most part. So it's like, Chris, it's not going to matter to them. Trust me. Uh, uh
2: and then i don't know like i have a little bit of a downbeat today and the next week or so is going to be hectic i have been playing this game called chained echoes that came uh-huh. out recently um getting really good reviews and it's a hoot uh it's it's really really good um so that's that has been really getting me into the christmas spirit uh because right. i used to get video games at christmas you see.
3: yes i still do i think uh <laughs> i may be getting a playstation 5 i don't know so uh yeah uh well we're light on news anyways we are sponsored this week by hello fresh more from them later but um yeah it's a return and a debut and ratings talk that's it bronson reed showed back up on raw this week uh he is now going to be uh aligned with the miz um <laughs> he appeared in the in the uh more or less more than metaphorical than not climbing the ladder for a payday <laughs> match between Loomis and, and the Miz. Oh, Chris, the caterwauling from people about Bronson Reed coming back to WWE was something because in the, in the G one, uh, I believe it was the G one last year. He, or this year, he got to be Okada, and you know, he had a great match against Will Ospreay. And oh, he should he should be working Japan and stuff and not, you know, selling out for those evil corporate overlords at WWE. But uh yeah, another puzzle piece of guys that Vince cut that Triple H has brought back. Any thoughts on Bronson Reed coming in or anything on this role?
2: I think Bronson Reed's really clever. Uh, he got he, he leveraged himself in a position where he got a win over Kazuchika Okada. Yeah, sure, it's in the G1. Doesn't matter. Got to win over Okada. That's like uh, that, that 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 that's good. That that made his stock really high. I think he's not an untalented guy. I don't think he's the most talented guy. I think he's a a fine mid-card asset. Uh, not going yeah, move- to Look, I
3: understand people who are upset, that you know that they want to see him have, you know, four, five-star matches in New Japan or come to AEW and do like a Hoss fight with Wardlow or something like that. I I get that. And and WWE has more than earned its reputation. On the other hand,
2: one Hoss fight with Wardlow is like a one month program. The guy's
3: like a three year deal people and then he'll sit at home for the rest of the time, much like like Miro or something.
2: Yeah, get the FTR Miro treatments.
3: Yeah. um, But he's going to be making more much more money in WWE than anybody else will be willing to pay him. So get paid. We are corporatists here, or not corporatists, but capitalists here.
2: Yeah, we're certainly. I mean, like, look, these are independent contractors. Um, <laughs> all, all, all there is is getting the money. That's yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird that people want this job to be super arty when, like. I feel sometimes, like, the, the expectations put on these wrestlers, it's, like, at a higher art level standard than, like, in my own industry of, like, working bar band musician. Like, well, I don't I, like, I, I, I don't feel like we get groused at as much about, like, failing to meet art value as, like, these wrestlers do. Well,
3: it's like acting. And, you know, you get those actors who take every project that comes to them, like, you know, Michael Caine or Samuel L. Jackson – and, and But, you know, but there are people who always worry about, well, what is he doing in this movie? So he's making, you know, like like Robert De Niro's latter stage of his career is nothing but straight to DVD crappy action picks where he's like the third That's, guy.
2: Like Tribeca bankrupted him, right?
3: Yeah, pretty much. And, he, and I think he has to pay alimony, too. So I think it's one of those things where he's like, he's taking every crappy type of straight to video type action film. He and Bruce Willis. And it's like, what about your legacy? It's like, dude. <laughs> you'll remember the good stuff don't don't worry about it just you know just uh, let me let me make my bank doing this romanian action film that nobody's gonna see you know, like nick cage is making like hundreds of these dumb movies right now mostly yeah, because... you know, the, the,
2: the, yeah the difference i think with cage is that cage is really enjoying it he'll just yeah. he just likes yeah he really just enjoys doing stuff i
3: well, that's I'm, Michael Caine, too. That's the Michael. I mean, Michael Caine would appear in anything in the 80s and 90s, and you're just like, what, what is he doing in this? It's like, dude, he just likes to work. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, no, he likes to work, and it lets him, you know, I mean, he gets to be on a set. You get treated pretty nice as Michael Caine, the actor on a set, and, like, you know, you hang out with your friends. You like your job. You don't necessarily, you know, you're not, like, begging for time off. You like your job. It's the people who don't like their job who are like, you know, sitting there and counting the vacation days that they get every year.
3: Yeah. And for those who are following uh, or haven't followed the Internet uh, since AEW Dynamite was broadcast on Wednesday, we found out actually Fightful has found out the... um, Identity of the second member of mogul affiliates with uh one Parker Boudreaux. Is oh good,
2: a... God! I, I'm so glad we got to the bottom of that. that <laughs> there there's a lot of intrigue. Uh, who is who is it?
3: It is a uh, it is a trainee by the name of Grandin Getzman. He was Grandin uh... Getzman. Really? Are you gonna do this to me? I'm just trying to get through the news, Chris. No,
2: no, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, I I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have that on my bingo sheet.
3: They- drafted in the second round of the 2011 Major League Baseball draft for the Tampa Bay Rays, I believe it was. Um, yeah, he's been a trainee of Jay Lethal and been training with Matt Seidel. <sighs> he has far too many tattoos for me to read of them all. But, um, yeah. uh Come on, it's good. But, so, yeah, but, but let me put it this way, Chris. I am kind of here for a kind of gr- green-ish hoss team. To, just, to, to fill that Road Warriors vibe, and if Parker Boudreaux and Brandon Getzman can do it, I'm here for it. I you. love Chronic. Yeah, Brandon <laughs> Chronic. Getzman. Those were I veterans, the By the time Chronic came around, those two had been in wrestling, I think, each ten years.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I'm I'm aware.
3: <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine. You know, and they're a team with the Young Legend swerve strickland uh yeah uh man I, I thought this was three different people before i realized it's nobody i knew like i thought that was i thought it was uh um oh what's his name
2: avocado i thought I, I definitely thought it was davacato it's not uh, oh did you okay not. i thought
3: i thought it might be the former connor from the ascension because he's working in tna now uh, or not tna impact uh i thought it was, uh, it was like connor
2: from the ascension like sneaky close to 40 at this point
3: uh no that's uh rick victor rick victor was the older one of that group i think he is actually over 40 uh who's uh who's the the uh big guy that used to be with jake i always forget his name
2: oh uh no one will survive uh lance archer
3: lance archer i thought it was archer at first (laughs) instead we're gonna get this guy who's yeah, I mean, why didn't
2: Bronson Reed go to AEW, look at Ant- Lance Archer, there's your answer.
3: Yeah, that, that actually, you know what, that's not the worst point, point in the world, to be honest with you. I mean, it's like, yeah, he'd be able to work Japan, he'd be able to work his Indies. But you wouldn't be making this that sweet WWE lucre that everybody wants. And,
2: and like, there's just simply no guarantee that there's any long-term narrative focus in AEW for these mid-card guys. than there is in, in WWE. Uh, I, I, it's a true push right now. Neither, yes. neither of these companies have narrative discipline like
3: that. Yeah. I mean, where are you going to go to where you know, they're going to take care of you and be able, you're going to be able to protect your character. There's no guarantee in either place. Really? I mean, it's not like Bronson Reed's coming in to join the bloodline. So,
2: <laughs>
3: which is really the, the only real story. No, right,
2: right. No, I mean, it's in, you're you're absolutely right. Like, in both these companies, there are protected storylines for sure. Like, you know, what Roman wants, Roman, Roman can get, that sort of thing. And, like, what the executive vice presidents of AEW want, they can get. Yeah. But outside of the perimeter of influence, the island of relevancy in both of these companies, uh, you really are kind of you know left to your own tender devices. Uh, you you might be ricochet getting uh, push against Gunter one week and then you know getting beaten badly the following week. Uh, you you might be Elias. You you might be Lance Archer. Uh, you might be Miro. Uh, there, there's a real mid card hell in both of these. You are
3: cards. not on the Twitter anymore, so you did not see the uh, the hubbub. i Miro this week. Uh, no, what what happened with Miro? uh well uh uh what's her name what's i'm trying to think of her wwe well basically the wife's been talking on and saying that yes miro or uh rusev day will once again be in wwe someday because everybody comes back and i I guess uh dave he and dave have been sniping at each other on twitter because of something that happened behind the scenes or something to that effect. There's been some controversy as to why he hasn't been back. And has he been vetoing storylines? Cause he doesn't like the ending and whatnot. And uh yeah, it's uh, it, it's not that AEW is, is in disrepair, but not everybody's as happy to be there as one might think.
2: No. um And that's, you know, that's troubling to hear because I was firmly under the opinion based on the news and the coverage over the last you know, several months here that the departure of CM Punk was going to essentially be a panacea that was going to bring calm and tranquility to the locker room. And and I'm just starting to think that maybe there are other problem elements there beyond Phil Brooks.
3: Yeah, Um Viewership was up across the board. AEW, 957,000 viewers this week. Raw, 1.7 million. The biggest audience since October 17th. NXT, 705,000 viewers. SmackDown, 2.191 million viewers. And Rampage, 464,000 viewers. Booking better matches for Rampage seems to have helped quite a lot. So, I don't know. This winter break is doing pretty well. I mean, look, the demos are a little bit lower, but... They're also facing things like bowl games and whatnot. I get it, but uh, at least for the winter break, the, the number of viewers tuning into wrestling is a little bit higher,
2: right? And I, there's some, there have been some doom and gloom narratives recently about the ratings, and I don't, I wouldn't say they're all unjustified. The one thing that I just have been holding back on before I really have a strongly held opinion one way or another about trajectory is let's see what mania season holds for these companies yeah how are these ratings when we get out of football and we get back into what is the earnest mania season uh, part of me goes you know for what is WWE's historic silly season no the TV's drifting in terms of quality back to the mean but the ratings are actually fairly decent and I would even say the this this silly season's television is far more watchable than like the silly season of like the last four years for well, sure.
3: Well for WWE for 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 that SmackDown has really been head and shoulders carrying this company in, in yeah. many, many ways in terms of having the bloodline story, which is the best silly season story they've they've had in in decades, possibly, leading to the rumble and the road to WrestleMania. But also, you know, you have, you know, Imperium, uh, uh, Legato Del Fantasmo, season. Ricochet, you have wrestlers. Danielson.
2: It's the there. best silly season story they've had since Danielson.
3: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, I, I would say so. But uh, yeah, so that's not decades necessarily, but.
2: No, no, but like, that's like 10 years. And like, I mean, unlike the Danielson thing, which was more of an organic crowd movement that they had to sort of spin into a story um, and, and became really compelling television. This is a story that frankly they force fed us and it crossed the line twice to like being good. Um, so it's I, I actually think it's almost more of a more of a feather in their cap in this sense. Uh, that like they took something that was like on the margins and bent it back into the good realm realm in a substantive way.
3: That's it for the news segment. Chris, tell us about Hello Fresh.
2: Oh, Jeff. <laughs> God. There's a lot on my mind right now. Mm -hmm. Got a big move coming up here. Yeah. And during those times when I am lifting boxes and then bringing them down the stairs and then thinking about what else needs to go into a box and then boxing that stuff and lifting it. Oh, my back gets sore. And, And I go at the end of these days, Jeffrey, I go, what could I do for food? How how will I eat, I ask myself, in the morning, alone at night, after I turn off the light and it's all dark in the room. And then I remember that there is HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, I could be getting farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to my doorstep. I could skip trips to the grocery store. And count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. It's the most festive time of the year. And HelloFresh is here to help make the most of every moment. From holiday hosting to dinners during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. Tis the season for saving money wherever we can. I lost it. (laughs) HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. Yeah, 20. No, 25. No. Yes, 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 less, yes. So you can use those savings for holiday gifts or treat yourself. HelloFresh can help you eat better amid all of the holiday temptations. Their meals have 20% fewer calories than takeout, so you can still have full flavor, no lights, just without the guilt. One time, Jeff and I had HelloFresh. Hence, the nostalgic open- to this segment we i was thinking in the darkness the other night because i don't pay my power bill anymore i'm moving in a couple of weeks so i'm just trying to save everywhere i can in the darkness i was thinking fondly of the lighted days when i was eating hello fresh with my cats we were happy it's a good time i like eating hello fresh i cook hello fresh alongside my cats not with my cats that would be weird they don't have cat-based recipes So if you're interested in HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-18 and use the code V-O-W-18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-18. Use code V-O-W-18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh. America's
3: number one meal kit. Thank you. Hello, Fresh. Uh, and now for the Lazy River of wrestling criticism, whatever we watch, whatever we're thinking about, anything that pertains to the world of professional wrestling, well, we can talk about it right here. And uh, Chris, I'm calling a bit of an audible. We're going to have two sections to the Lazy River. We're going to have this week's uh, wrestling. And then uh, because of uh, because we just don't plan these things, let's face it, uh, we can have any awards slash uh predictions for 2023 in the second half of the lazy river kind of an extended thing for people's holiday viewing or holiday viewing holiday listening should they want them so uh how does that sound to you good bad oh, it ugly? Sounds, no it
2: sounds good i mean okay cool yeah you you got me you, you johnny on the spot in me anyways but you you can't throw me off either i i'm filled with the holiday spirit he's
3: you're boozing it up gotcha i'm but yeah no, I'm, I'm,
2: starting to, I'm starting to feel it and, and it's like you know why not? Let's let's let it flow on the microphone. What's the worst that could happen?
3: I am going to put over Uh because I really enjoyed it. I know that you uh, we disagree a little bit here. Uh, yeah, but, we,
2: we will. We will.
3: But the main event of AEW Dynamite that Sheeta Jamie Hader match, and and let's face it, it was a pretty good week for both companies in women's wrestling in some way. Because I thought the Becky and Aunt Pam match on Raw was pretty damn good too, and it was a joy to see both of them in the ring uh, for the first time in three years. But Sheeta and Hater might be my favorite AEW women's match ever because it, it just got back to basics of wrestling for me. Kick, punch, the occasional slam and suplex, a little bit of hate in there, and just trying to wear down the opponent to get the three as opposed to fancy reversal choreography set pieces that... You know, if, if you don't hit it correctly, everything starts to fall apart. I thought this was just a great basic wrestling match where both women beat the crap out of each other, and I enjoy and I and I love both these women, so, you know, I, I, I you know, other than maybe Brit and Thunder Rosa in the, uh, and was it the, the Anything Goes match, or whatever the heck it was, where they had, you know, the thumbtacks and things like that, this might be my favorite AEW women's match.
2: So... In the case of both of these, I, I think I don't actually blame the work on either of these for not holding my interest. It's the narrative work around these. Yes. Matches. And we, yes. we've talked about this a lot before, where, like, you know, if there's not a real strong investment in the story, two people are going to have a great match, Chris, is not booking. That's not yes. storytelling. Like, like I, 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 And so. I mean look, I and I've been up on Sheeta. I like I've been very pro-Sheeta on this show. I, I know she's a good worker. They don't tell good stories with her. She's like she ever since she kind of like did like, you know, like the slight like kind of character rework or whatever, they just stopped doing narrative with her. Agreed. And I like Jamie Hayter. I think she's really good. Uh but we need to tell a story with her. What What is motivating her title reign?
3: Yeah, right now her story is on pause until we decide when we're going to do the breakup with her and Britt. Right, right. And, and
2: and that's ridiculous. She's the champion. There needs to be a story for her on dating. I agree.
3: Life. Yeah,
2: yeah. You, you know, this kind of circles back to what we were talking about, you know, a week or so ago with MJF and, like, you know, the Rosebud moment. There needs to be something motivating Jamie Hader here. And so, like, that was my issue with, like, this match and why I didn't give it. More of a sniff, and I think the other thing is it was also led in by a horrible segment uh, with Rick Ross um, <laughs> and Keith Lee and, and Swerve. Um, but the same thing with uh, on on Raw with Bailey and uh, uh, Becky Lynch. Um, this new Bailey against you know kind of a refreshed Becky. This match theoretically should have some intrigue, except the damage control has been handled atrociously for months now. Yes. Yes. and like this is a faction that theoretically anyone who's got any taste in wrestling should be on board with. When we were talking about Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, and Bailey, but because of the presentation of damage control, turning EO Shirai into EO like everyone got like kind of nerfed as characters, and no, like the the sum is definitely less than the individual parts. Um.
3: They just didn't establish the faction as something powerful when they said, oh, we're coming in to take over, blah, 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 blah. It's like they need to run through the entire division and take all the titles. And then and then it gets to the point of the war games where, okay, here's where we're going to handle this crew. And the, element, thing. the element of foregone
2: conclusion really hurts the intrigue for a match. Yes. Like I did not think that Bailey. Was going to beat Becky, and I guess I'd say I thought there was more of a chance Bailey was going to beat Becky than I thought uh, there. There was a chance that uh, Sheeta was going to uh, beat uh, Jamie Hader, uh, and Bailey you, beat Becky. Oh my, I, dude, I'm getting my wires crossed. Um,
3: <laughs>
2: whatever. um, point being, but, but
3: but I get it. I mean, but there, she had help. Okay, it was it was a. Uh, a screwball finish and you kind of thought the same thing in Sheeta and Hater because it's like okay she doesn't Sheeta's been in this this company for three years and doesn't know to bring backup for for rebel and and Britt Baker you know I mean
2: like there's that and I mean you know even with like Bailey beating Becky right like you the power level on Bailey is so low right now that you you know that she can't beat Becky clean. Yeah like if, if Bailey was going to win that, she was going to have to win it through the heel banana peel finish.
3: Yeah. And that's, that, I mean, that was a problem on all the shows this week was the banana peels just everywhere in terms of heels winning, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, um, no, no, I agree with that. Uh, but I, I did want to give that a shout out. I thought, man, I, I was watching that. I was like, I I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. And then they just start smacking the hell out of each other. I'm like, yeah, I'm here for this. I'm cool with it. Uh, your turn, sir.
2: Okay. Um, let's do Rick Ross and Keith Lee and Swear Strickland and, and the really FCC. Right. <laughs> we already we already talked about the debut of this exciting new faction, Chronic Two Thousand, and <laughs> I, I no, I'm so excited, dude. And then you have Rick Ross out here who. Scott, like this segment sucked.
3: Boy, was this the law of diminishing returns in terms of the 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 gap between that first time he was on and this time, night and day.
2: Night and day. I I, I mean, right? Like it, the first time it was intriguing. You're like, oh, okay, more across. This time, it's like he didn't know what he was even doing. So he just came out there and said like generic stage banter stuff that he says when he's on stage, like. I'm here not to make history like you can imagine this guy at nightclubs, you know, like when he is playing a show or whatever saying that like in any stage like in like Paducah um, or Indianapolis like we're here tonight to make history Indianapolis like like just these like hollow platitudes and the dynamic between Keith Lee and Rick Ross was ridiculous. So okay, initially, like, cause remember Lee is like, you know, like he's like beast from the X-Men, right? Like big guy reads a lot of books, has like large words, like indubitably that he says. So like initially Ross calls him out there and he's like, I'm going to be the mediator between you two guys. I can understand why Lee would believe that. But after the first guy jumps Keith Lee, he should be looking at Rick Ross real askance. And for no other reason other than like Ross is not, not only not bothered by this clearly audibly cheering this on into the microphone, like, and Lee doesn't seem mad at Rick Ross. He doesn't seem to be processing what Rick Ross did as a setup. He's not watching him walk behind him. (laughs) Yes. Like, you know, and it was bizarre, The bizarre blocking to have Ross walk behind him and have Ross not really do anything.
3: You know what I thought when I watched this segment was that, uh, Hey, Rick, we're going to bring you in, we're going to have a dress rehearsal here. And Rick said, Nope, doing it on the fly. I want, I want, I want to be fresh. I want to be in the moment.
2: Yeah. I could totally, I could totally see this guy. Like, yeah. Like not.
3: I don't like do big timing. it saying I don't do rehearsals.
2: I don't do <laughs> rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't do that. No, my, my schedule is busy like and he's like sitting around eating lunch or whatever.
3: Yeah. <laughs> he's, eating, he's eating things from Wingstop or whatever whatever he does commercials for. Yeah, I just it, it it's it's just felt like uh oh, Rick's going to do what Rick's going to do and I I know it. I got the feel. I work in front of live crowds all the time. Don't worry about me. And then, like, the, the
2: funniest thing was Ross at the end of it, after we announced this new faction, the NWO, this was not, by the way, but after we announced this new faction, Ross is staying there with the hoodie and doesn't put it on, which is like like the ultimate big leaking of the faction. Like, <laughs> if you're gonna give if you're gonna hold the hoodie, you have to put it on, you jerk. Take off your jacket put on the hoodie it shows you're
3: aligned and it helps push
2: the merch right right right. like that is the whole point of the business no like like that 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 is that is the piece of business you are trying to do there you need (laughs) this guy to put on the freaking shirt you're trying to sell those it matters uh like it, it these are like to me fairly obvious details
3: yeah, they're, they're little yeah, you, details that matter.
2: They're little yeah. details that matter, but like, this isn't even my business. It's just you think about, like, what are all these steps supposed to be in service towards? When you announce a new faction, the goal is to sell t shirts, people, which you know, you start a new angle, ultimately to move merch. Yes. Um, and so you want that, like, big reveal of these dudes out in this t shirt, you want like that first reveal of the t shirt. To be really badass, and so yeah, people... and then
3: everybody's gonna run to the merch stand and want to buy one of these shirts, yeah.
2: right? Yeah, no, no, and, and, and to, yeah, to your point, when you have a really good like heel faction reveal, immediately people are like, oh man, that you know whatever segment the aces and ace.
3: The, no, no, no. I'll, I'll give you an example of one that I that where I almost bought merch at my advanced age because I thought it was cool when CM Punk joined the Nexus, and he had and he had the uh, yellow version of his own shirts and stuff like that. I thought I thought those were kind of cool.
2: And oh, so I and almost bought one. When, when the Shield guy dropped When the in. Shield,
3: yeah, yeah. The NWO, of course, the most famous one, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I know absolutely. I mean, like, like the NWO. Aces I think it's like eight. I can't believe. I, you. I, I, I mean, come on now, like, like what a class. don't don't you fade Ace into 8, sir? I, I'm the not... core, the
3: core. That was a hell of a brew.
2: <laughs> core is pretty good. Core is pretty good. Gotta gotta give it up for the core.
3: Well, speaking of small details, that kind into... of leads these... into kind of leads into mine next one where look you guys know i do love me some unrepentant stupidity i do i like comedy and wrestling i like funny things in wrestling i just don't want them mixed with my main event stuff and there were two segments on dynamite that just the tonal shifts drove me a little bit nuts one was the six man series between the elite and the death triangle because I love the concept of two teams that become rivals and bitter rivals and it keeps escalating until we finally have to, you know, until it comes to a head. But the cutesiness of the Christmas spots within this just drove me nuts. The, the fake Christmas tree, you know, uh, Brandon Cutler dressed as an elf and him and Alex Abrahante's doing spots. I'm like, and I, I just thought, you know, my inner Lance Storm came out, and I go, well, what if they had actually taken this seriously? They got the NBA music, you know, it, it's great, but what if the 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 Death Triangle had, um, you know, really decided to be evil here, and because it's no DQ, we're gonna pull out all the stuff to end the series right here, and the elite desperately trying to hang on, desperately trying to do whatever they can to get this series to yet another match type of thing. And the drama and the emotion that that would have spurned on here instead of we're running everybody into a fake Christmas tree. Isn't that funny? Ha ha ha. You know, it almost feels like a self-aware ironic parody of a seven match series.
2: No, it's been that right. Like ever since they did the, you know, self-aware parody of Paul Pierce last week, you know, being back to the ring and not actually turning that into like a real injury angle. I'm with you. Uh, this, even with me, not necessarily loving all the players in this, or, you know, like these are not like my peak interests, like characters or whatever, a death triangle that is severely motivated by evil intentions to declare Sherman, like total war on the elite and the elite realizing oh we're not we're like not only fighting to avoid elimination here we're actually fighting for our lives in this match right that would have been dope yeah. like that that yeah that would have been so and, and honestly it would have been even better in the wake of these first four like uh matches being yuck yuck matches to actually have this switch into in match 5 6 and 7 serious blood intensity would would be so much more intriguing than the wacky and zany comedic stylings of kenny omega and his pals with a z <laughs>
3: yeah and, and and i was talking to you about this before the show too I, the same thing happened with me with the brian danielson angle i loved look i loved the fire of the mjf promo backstage i love the fire of danielson when he came out and it was talking about Regal. I didn't even mind that he was talking about Regal in the ring, even though I think he should be gone and forgotten and never spoken of again. But you have narrative continuity at least. I can I can respect that. And it was all building up, and here comes Ethan Page and Stokely, and I'm like, good, here we go. We're gonna have intense, born again, a little bit hard. Ethan Page tearing down Danielson, and and then it just the, the entire thing just took a tonal shift where I went, how did that happen? And it becomes popping each other and popping the announcers for look. I, I laughed when Stokely said you raggedy bitch. I did. It was funny. It, you know, it was, but at the same time it was like, well, I was kind of open, you know, that, that Ethan page, one of the more effective heels on the AEW roster when he says, you know, you're a vegetable or whatever. I, you know, I thought he was going to get into the CTE stuff, which, you know, a couple of people will have gotten squeamish about, but I was like, okay, that, that'd that be heel heat at least here. But instead it, it became the whole, I'm not going to fight you here because huh? of my pants. I'm going to go and wait next week or whatever. And I was just like, Oh, what a lost opportunity to me. At least it was that, that, that segment after Danielson sets it up with this intense, angry type of promo type thing. And then it just becomes, you know, laugh a minute stick again.
2: Yeah, uh, look, I have really checked out on this Stokely character. I am aware Stokely is funny. He is funny. I think he's very funny. I love, like, like when he did stand-up and he was talking about leaving NXT or whatever, like, oh, God, he he's just funny. Would yes. love to hear him. Do radio him as a guest on any program, instant like click on. All right, yeah, let's let's hear what Stokely's talking about. I don't want this character to be Sanjay Dutt. We have Sanjay Dutt, and to Dutt's credit, kind of thought it was funny with the acclaimed stuff. This <laughs> the, the, the acclaimed so, stuff was great. We, I thought so. We so we got that covered. What I need out of Stokely and Ethan Page are like ultimate bastards. I want these guys, like, like MJF, unfortunately the crowd, you know, occasionally loves him or whatever. I want Stokely and Ethan to be like life's wet blanket. Yes. These guys always suck the fun out of the room and they love to do it. Nothing brings them more joy than seeing baby faces and heels alike miserable at their presence. And nothing brings them the greatest joy than immiserating the audience like the audience is miserable every time they have to endure Stokely and Ethan and that brings them great glee. Uh, I don't want humor, I don't want them trying to pop anyone. We don't need like, you know, a memorable ha ha tee hee line like Raggedy um or whatever. Like and he's been trying to pepper one of those in every week. I it, I need madness out of these guys. Your turn sir. Man, my turn. You know, I'm um, coming off of this. Uh, all right. Um, outside of that, on AEW, was there anything I really felt like was worth commenting on? No, I think we basically we basically hit it. Um,
3: I have I have, a, I have another. AEW oh, oh,
2: no, I'll no, give you. One. I'll give you one more. Uh, I think they don't really know what they're doing with either Hook or Jack Perry, but putting them in a tag team has bought them time to figure it out.
3: Yeah, I liked the beatdown of Perry with <laughs> Big Bill, even though they were trying to get another joke out of out of that a little bit. But I liked, you know, you know, power slamming him into a dumpster. That was fine. I I liked that. Um and, and I also just just to bring that in again, it looks like they're also buying a little bit of time, but they've actually did a little bit of story on the follow up with the action Andretti thing, because uh, okay, oh, the, okay, no, the, fireba- the fireball so spoke. Ready the yeah. fireball spoke to my uh, territory leanings, Chris.
2: <laughs> okay, but like Andretti stinks on the microphone.
3: Yeah, he's Brad Armstrong. I mean, he's, he yeah. he, he, he you know, uh, who else? Brian Adias, those types of baby faces. He hasn't found a personality yet. I'm kind of okay, but he at least tried. I mean, he's better than I of the Martin brothers on the mic right now. I mean, well, you know, it was a standard. Well, hey, I'm happy to be here. Type. I of don't. Program. I don't know who
2: we're fading there. Uh, because no, like I don't like, know I, either. Yeah, no, I, I think Andretti's a real dud on the microphone. He's
3: he is. I, but-
2: I, I said last week he's a perfectly cromulent wrestler, and I stand by that. Like, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with his ability to work i guess But okay. like
3: I, I am defending him because there's nowhere for him to do promos wherever he's worked he's worked indie shows where it's just you know you go in there you have good I, matches I, I, i'm not
2: saying like i'm not saying that he's had opportunities and he's duffed them and he'll never be <laughs> anything more than he is what i'm saying <laughs> is he is what he is right now <laughs> that, like you know it's it's not the it's not the person who's had you know two years worth of lessons and they still suck and clearly it's like you had access to you know twenty four months of lessons, like like this is a guy who just needs the lessons still.
3: Okay, fair enough.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I I just I it's he's not there and I I, I the, the, he's get he's gotten it, it it's aspirational in the same way that like I have been kind of const, constantly haranguing the Jade Cargill push as. This is a person you, you're pushing aspirationally, but I, it, it's not entirely clear that they are ready for the aspirational hopes and dreams that are being attached to them. Yeah. So those are my those are my items. Your turn, sir.
3: Oh, it's okay. Um, well, I mean, the, the last thing we have is NXT. I think until we get into our our year end stuff. Um. Boy, I'm gonna tell you something. I, I look. I like Grayson Waller. I like Braun Breaker. N- the whole repeat of the Bret Hart Goldberg angle. Did I read too much into it by thinking that Sean Michaels and company are kind of throwing a little shade at Bret here?
2: Interesting. I hadn't really. Th- I hadn't thought about the- that. as like throwing. It might
3: be an homage, or it might be you know, just to stick it to Brett. I don't know which one it well, is. Well, I mean,
2: part of it, though, is like also Braun Breaker has like a real Goldberg thing. So like, I think the other lens of this is that like Breaker wants more Goldberg-like spots. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i just saying there's a contra argument that's at least somewhat persuasive. Yes. And like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's enough for me to go like, well, I can't do the... Would Shawn Michaels ever be so petty as to carry out a grudge for years no no jeff no
3: no i I enjoyed the women's triple yeah i enjoyed the women's triple threat tag i thought axiom and carmelo had a heck of a match and then
2: boy did they i I mean they no axiom a kid slash axiom they're not they're never gonna do more like you know he's never gonna be like beyond ricochet or whatever but like i he's uh, one
3: his entrance is stupid.
2: <laughs> his entrance is stupid. I, I know they're never going to present him right. Right. I, think, I, I, I find it to be a much more interesting match than Ricochet. I, I think he's quite good. Uh, yeah. He, he just, there's a lot of different elements to his match. They'll never get him. They'll never know how to present him the right way. But I, yeah, no, I, I really think very highly of Axiom and ditto with, uh, you know, Carmelo Hayes. But I feel like Carmelo Hayes is more obvious. I just kind of like wanted to linger on axiom because we you know we watched him in nxt uk and stuff and like a kid's really good he, yeah. yeah he's a very very good wrestler
3: <laughs> then, oh. <laughs> i'm sorry i watched that kiana james segment at the bar <laughs> and all i could think of here's where they start disrobing and having sex oh. All. <laughs> uh, i mean <laughs> it was so porn tastic but I also want to give uh, Briggs and, and – uh, I was going to say Briggs and Jensen, but it's Briggs and uh, – what's he, what's his partner's name?
2: Uh, no, it is Briggs and Jensen. It's oh, both- it is
3: Briggs and Jensen? And, I thought it was it, Jensen it, Briggs, it, Briggs.
2: No, no, here's why you're confused. One is BJ and the other is JB.
3: Yes, okay. Uh, oh, that's actually – true. Um, I actually really enjoyed that match with the New Day quite a bit, and the New Day, uh, God, God bless Mark them. Briggs is Briggs the moonsault. Come on now. Yeah. Um, and and that that move where, where they lifted uh where he lifted uh woods into the ropes on the outside of the ring and then just murder death them with a the clothesline that's kind of here for that move too i i look they're not great yet but there's something there with these two
2: well you know here's the thing too with jensen jensen's young um yeah. like 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 Briggs is older or whatever like he's he's the older of the two but like like jensen i want to say is under 25 or something i would like. say that yeah yeah he yeah because so, he was in the
3: system at 19 i think he is. right
2: so for a guy who's yeah like still very like actually truly developing still i see a lot of promise with him he, yeah he yeah he he's uh, you know look is the character goofy yes is he doing the character well yeah he's actually not bad at the character uh it's, it's a it's a shit character that's not his fault
3: and Katana, Chance, and Caden Carter continue to improve as a team in that yes, triple threat. Yes, they do, right? Like, yeah. And,
2: and Can- and one that we thought uh, for a long time had basically kind of hit a ceiling, and it's really interesting that she hasn't, in fact, found ways to continue to improve.
3: Yeah. Now, now that match did suffer a bit from the set piece mentality because of the triple threat thing, but uh, look, Toxic Attraction, solid heel stuff. They, they, they got Ivy and. Uh, and uh uh, uh oh Tatum Paxley God. was it Tatum Paxley or was it Faraz okay I th- I think you're right Tatum Paxley oh yeah no Tatum they got Paxley them through that they got them through that match yeah. uh pre- pretty well I thought and, and and it worked mostly it wasn't great but it worked so you know I thought I thought everything was solid but not but unspectacular on NXT this week
2: yeah I mean again Every week, I've said this before, but every week where Diamond Mine is not like a focus in terms of the Cree brothers is to me you know, kind of a bad week. Same with Damon Kemp. These are yeah, your, like,
3: that dude should be more of a focus on this show every week because he's fantastic.
2: Yeah, like, like they've got guys who can be strong personalities. I, I mean, frankly, I think Kemp is a much more interesting foil for Braun Breaker than Grayson Waller is. Um, I think like you know, Kemp is as athletic as Breaker and like can like just I mean he's such a good talker like him being like a huge dick to Breaker and being like I'm the better athlete like you know like you thought Apollo was better I I want Kemp to beat Apollo and like really kind of like set himself up as like also beating Apollo like Rocky or whatever uh yeah Kemp you know sets himself up really as like the formidable menace to Braun Breaker I I, I he feels more credible than Waller But I mean, I think that's the whole point, too. I don't, I don't. Waller was, I never destined to win this title. Um, And he wouldn't even necessarily be a very interesting champion, though he's improved in the ring. I think his, he probably, they might get through this match relatively quickly and get him up to the main roster here in early 23.
3: Yeah, I mean, if they didn't put so much into his brother, you know, I, I think that's the thing that's actually hurting him down there is, is, oh, we want, we want your brother to be the star And it's like, dude, you got something here with him. Go with it.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, not for nothing. The brothers can have different personalities. That actually is usually the more interesting way of doing things. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But they like, always, you know, them, they'll, they'll look at two guys and go, well, that's the guy we want to be a star. And that's the guy we want to use to make him the star.
2: Right. right. I, I know they, there's just a very super way of doing storytelling. Like these, these He's people,
3: the marketable one. He's the not marketable one. It's like, no, I <laughs> can't, you figure this out. You haven't been able to figure this out since 86, 87, for God's sake said, Hey, teams actually work you know Brothers groups actually work you know people and, actually
2: and the brothers being different like rick and scott steiner yes like, they didn't have a ton of personality but like you know rick was clearly different than scott like yeah you know, yeah like and there was a when rick was having a singles match the crowd had a completely different condition reaction to the guy yeah no
3: definitely and matt and jeff hardy kind of the same way but it's just, uh-huh. yeah i uh yes that is the end of the lazy river for this week's wrestling. And now we got to get into, I guess, superlatives or predictions. I think what we should do, Chris, is talk about things we liked, maybe didn't like in the year that was of wrestling, and then, then go into predictions, and we'll go out on a limb and make some dumb predictions that mostly won't come true. But if we do, people will let us have a victory lap. How about that? <laughs>
2: yeah, they'll let us
3: uh (laughs) maybe uh look my feud of the year matches of the year etc are all tied into FTR and the Briscoes these guys and look I know I know there are people in the voices of wrestling hemisphere who don't like Dax because he's a little online a little bit too much with his feels I get it I get it I I see you all calling him FTR bald and being snarky and stuff like that but Dax Harwood had a hell of a year The Briscoes had a hell of a year and FTR and the Briscoes had a hell of a year starting with the, the WrestleMania weekend uh, match, which was just sublime in terms of what tag team wrestling is. Those two had a nice, they, they had promos building up to it and then they came out and they had a heated match throwing themselves at each other all throughout hottest match of the year up until that point they go and they have the two out of three falls match. I liked it. I didn't love it as much as other people, but it was, you know, each match, each fall had a different story and I knew what they were doing and it was great. And then the double dog collar match, dude, that was everything I want. Professional wrestling, hate, violence, blood, um, two, two teams, just trying to kill each other, you know, for my entertainment. I, I absolutely love it. And look, kudos to both. Hopefully Tony Khan can get whoever at WBD that didn't want the Briscoes on TV to let them on TV and make, you know, give them the Glen leads. Give them the money because I'll tell you something. They don't have enough people who can talk up at up at AEW and the Briscoes are always must see when they're on the microphone.
2: All right. Uh, what's the topic again?
3: Whatever you want to go into, Chris, There's superlatives that you like, wrestler of the year, tag team of the year, feud of the year, match of the year, whatever you want to talk about. Um,
2: I am I guess I'll go with, uh, I'll do MVPs for, for the two different companies. Um, So for AEW, I, I would say my MVP of the year, um, which I'm sort of defining as like who's the most valuable wrestler to the company in terms of, Overall utility. Not necessarily have the best matches of the year or anything like that. Just like who who has clearly established themselves to be sort of like an an important anchor where if like they were they were gone tomorrow or whatever, or, or if they had been gone tomorrow during the run of the year here, it would have really damaged the company. I think for AEW, indisputably, it is John Moxley. Huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. look that they needed a stabilizing force from a lot of self-inflicted gunshot wounds. I'm not like, I'm not one who's, you know, oh man, you know, like the,
3: it's weird because like between MJF going on a sabbatical for a while and then CM Punk getting fired and both of whom I find far more valuable and far more star power than Moxley. Moxley just being there when both those things went down tends to make him the MVP, I guess.
2: 90% of life is being there.
3: Yeah, true. Yeah, no,
2: I, I, I mean, it's look, uh, being at the gig on time is one of the small but most big things that matters in this business. You know, you gotta, you gotta make your sound checks. Um, When MJF was flaky, Moxley was there. When CM Punk you know, basically tensions with Punk and, and others in the company came to an absolute head here and Punk was no longer there. Baked
3: a- goods and seltzer and closed on Mondays and Tuesdays.
2: I mean, there's that, but like, you know, even if even if he hadn't done that, here's the thing. The always, injury. The injury was always there, right? Yeah. That, that's the thing that we forget is that like, regardless of the press conference, they would have been in more or less the same position in terms of, yes, it would have been more graceful, but they still would have needed Moxley. Uh, it, he he just is the anchor for this company. He he is a strong promo. It's not always home runs, but like when Moxley's on, he's he's really good. Um, yeah, and I I just I think that like, look, it, it was a very strong year for him. Um, and, and though I'm with you, I think both MJF and CM Punk. Brought bring in their own different ways more star power and you know more cachet you know to the company. Um, I, I think that Moxley you know is is just stable. You can you can you can trust him. And they're at a point where you could flip him heel if you wanted to, if you really needed to. Um, and, and so that you can really kind of get butter both sides of the bread if you need to. On the WWE side, for me. My MVP, I you know, initially I was going to go Roman, but I have to stop and say, no, it is Sami Zayn. Yes. It is Sami Zayn. That Sami Zayn revitalized the bloodline. Now, Roman has done some fantastic character work this year, a- and Roman has done a fantastic job finding some personality with this tribal chief character that was painfully, painfully absent from the first year and a half of this crap. Uh, it, just, it was just not there. It was, I'm the tribal chief, acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. Like, like it's not a character, it's just a catchphrase. Like, this Roman now has, like, clear personality qualities about him. Arrogance, ego, um, and, like, a... And an arrogance that blinds him from being able to see the situation clearly. Like he has actual flaws as a character. Um, the whole thing has 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 a structure, but that's all really because of the injection of Sami Zayn into this, and Zayn taking really nothing and finding a way to you know massage up nothing to, okay, a little bit of like, ha like Damian Sandow doing mimicking of the Miz outside the ring, to this is now a serious, I mean, he, he Sammy Zayn is now a serious and important character on the show every week. The Bloodline segments really wouldn't work without him. And that means that essentially Sammy Zayn is carrying the main event angle.
3: I, and, I think you've also, you also forgot the first half of the year a little bit, where Sammy Zayn was asked to carry this Johnny Knoxville storyline. That's right and that match i i have that match written down as one of my five favorite matches this year it's like it's it's low it's number 5 on that list but that match over delivered and he saved that match with knowing how to get a prop uh you know a prop that had broken to 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 go again it was either him or Knox. i can't remember which one it was at, at this point but but it was like that match went wrong with some of the props and they saved that thing and he was asked to carry a, ma- a feud with a celebrity that didn't seem that interesting and then it turned out to be absolutely golden on the night of the event i i, I mean that match for a comedy match that thing was fantastic i thought
2: yeah, and so I, when I think about like most valuable, a lot of it too too is also like overperforming what you are tasked with doing. Yes. The, yeah, you know, it's it's not necessarily where you like plan to be the champion. Like obviously, Roman's the most valuable person, but who who really who gave a
3: spark to something? Yeah. yeah, who
2: maximized the value?
3: Um, I will give an honorable mention in WWE to Gunther. Because him and now the Reef finally completely reformed Imperium being on that SmackDown roster just brought everything to a new level with a lot of guys that were flailing. You you think about the the brawling brutes and Sheamus. you think about, you know, Ricochet a little bit. You you think about all these guys that were kind of like doing nothing on this roster because everybody was kind of, Having to deal with the bloodline and nothing going to be overshadowed. Gunther and and coming up there and just being the machine that he is and the intense presence and the hard hitting matches that he has. Like th- that, that match at Clash at the Castle between him and Sheamus is my WWE match of the year.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I was going to, my other honorable mention would be Sheamus. Uh, yeah. In, and yeah, Seamus
3: has been sneaky solid
2: this year. No, no. Yeah. Right. Like, like you have to really give it up for him too. Uh, the, the, I think the brawling brutes working as a gimmick is, you know, because I think Seamus refused to let it die. You know what I mean? Like, like Seamus she- has just not been phoning it in this year. Uh, not that he normally does or whatever. I, it just, he he stands out as a guy who's really overperforming. Um, but like Gunder is a really great choice too. Who would be your honorable mention in AEW?
0: Uh
3: oh, MJF is up there. Uh, I'd actually, you know what? It's weird because much like the glue people, um, it's kind of underrated because we criticize her so much. But Brick Baker has really kept that women's division afloat this year, in many many ways. I, I think. I mean, I, I'd have to. I mean, I wasn't really thinking about this at all because I, I just, it's been it's been kind of a poor year for for women's divisions in terms of care and concern. I mean, it, it 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 was okay in WWE because you had Bianca and the ascent of Bianca, but like the amount of talent that both divisions in both companies have that have been utterly put on the back burner or forgotten about is almost disheartening when you think about between, you know, Sasha leaving the damage control story being bad, Mako Satamura kind of being brought in and then forgotten, B Priestley, even being brought in and then forgotten, Saray and whatever the hell they did with her. And then over on AEW, just debut after debut after debut after debut that just fell flat because they just couldn't be bothered to do anything other than backstage segments where with with Brit and and Rebel just verbally burying them and they couldn't get out from under it. Um I'm also trying to waste time here, uh, because I'm trying to think of who would be an underrated, uh, yeah, you know, there, there's a case to be made that QT Marshall might be, might be an undervalued MVP. I mean, he's not a high-ranking guy in there, but in terms of a glue guy from show to show, who you you, you build a small feud, mid-card feud with, and you just beat him. Uh, you know, I, I really like like what he brings to to the table. Um, who, who do you have as it, if I can ask?
2: Okay, so for the honorable mention, I I got singles Dax Harwood.
3: Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, that's who I had originally too. I mean Yeah,
2: no, I know if you get FTR though as the MVP, it's like a little bit like it's like, yeah. well, really, really cool, but also Dax still has the singles, whereas like, I like I I mean I think Look, uh, I, I think the match with the briskos is really good. It's just uh, the only reason I don't weight it heavier, um, which we've talked about on the previous just
3: episode it was in ROA.
2: Yeah, because it's in Timbuktu. Right. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, like, like I, I can't see it anywhere. But Dax uh, on
3: AEW has been fantastic this year.
2: Right, right, right. And and when they need when they needed a an extended match that was good, that had no stakes or whatever, Dax Dax was always able to deliver that for them and they have needed that multiple times um you know the the, the problem you know the, the thing with the bucks like it is sort of like if you like the bucks you like the bucks and if you don't like the bucks they are the bucks like they they just they they have a very they have a very specific sort of match and and like in terms of like they 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 do that same match it's not like i would never say that they underperform the match it's just that, like, it's hard for them to sort of like outkick or whatever because of that.
3: Here's a question that just came up in my mind because I was thinking about: it. Are we giving Chris Jericho short shrift as a as an under the radar MVP?
2: Okay, that's a good question. That's a fair question. Um, y- yes and n- no. Um, <laughs> it's sort of like. Without having to like, without going through all the TikTok of him, like behind the scenes, too, right? Like, right. When you, when you think about behind the scenes, Jericho. He's made himself valuable, but you can make yourself valuable in ways that are not necessarily laudable. Right. And I feel like Jericho kind of sits in that realm for me backstage. On screen, he has had. He has had many good matches, but then I have to like weight that against. Oh, this, it's tough because it's like, how do you use valuable? Jericho has made himself have tremendous amount of weight on this episode because the amount of, on the show because of the amount of time that he gets, and he has turned in some good matches along the way because that bandito comes to mind, uh, but. For every Bandito match, I think there is the equally questionable, like as we discussed last week. I'm not going to revisit it now. Action Andretti sort of sequence or whatever. Something that's a little bit like, oh, I mean, there's two ways of looking at this. He did a good thing here, or he didn't do such a great thing here. Uh, And and I don't know how to weight that in terms of value. he's certainly in the wake of Phil Brooks's decreased relevancy in the company has found a way to make himself more valuable though. I would never dispute that.
3: Yeah. I, I, I uh, yeah, it's,
2: it's, it's, it's been, so, it's weird. hard. I know that that's a long answer, but it's like hard
3: to, it's no, it's no, it's irrelevant. no, but I'm yeah. I'm in the same boat because I find like, I find a lot of Jericho's creative choices baffling at times. And I don't like them necessarily. Because they play far too much into his WWE. Like
2: the falling on the pillows that was this year, right?
3: No, 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 that was.
2: Was that lot? But like he had like another goofy shoes bump at some point earlier this year. In this, he category. might have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like there was something like. In, in no, the... this
3: was the year. This was the year he tapped out on top of the cage.
2: That's right.
3: Or not him, but somebody. Was it him that tapped out, or was it somebody else that tapped out in the blood and guts match? I'm trying to remember. I know that clo Oh, it was. It, oh, it was. Uh, oh no, Eddie. Eddie had. Was it Eddie had? Uh, somebody uh, in Eddie
2: had somebody in, and the- then
3: Cesaro came up and was doing like the spin, or the or he had the the. Uh, he had the, uh, he, had the uh, he had the Boston crab on him, and Jericho tapped. I think that's what happened.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Whatever.
3: I yeah, it, it's 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 weird. It, no, it, like, it,
2: it's hard, right? Yeah, it's because it, like the Jericho Appreciation Society sucks. It's a bad
3: gimmick for a wrestling company to have a gimmick that mocks the other company
2: and the worst, but like, no, I'm not even saying that. Like, it's not only that it's a bad gimmick, right? It's, it sucks. It's just not very well done. It's not 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 funny. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not, it, it stopped. It got stale. And you know how they know they got that it got stale is that very early on Matt uh, Martell or whatever stopped doing the, for over six weeks, the number one, like, because they realized that if they actually kept saying the number of weeks, you'd start going, holy shit, we've been doing this for 15 weeks now? Like, because like, it's not good. It's not getting better. Um, it, it, And it feels like Jericho has, like, five jokes.
3: Well, here's the weird thing, and let's give a little praise to the Jericho Appreciation Society because that Anarchy in the Arena match that they had, that was awesome. And the promos after that, where you thought, okay, they're 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 toughening up 2.0 here to do something with them. Hopefully, you know that. You know all of that was so well done, and it's one of those frustrating things with AEW for me, at least, is the dropped storylines. Like, like I
2: know you like, like the I like this hat, Jake Hager, and it is it's okay, it's It's okay, okay. it's merely okay for me. Right, right, right. Like that's the thing, though, is it's like that to me belies a Jericho sensibility and like, yes. Yeah. Like again, he's increased his leverage in the company. If you're counting his camera time or whatever, he has increased value, but like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I question, I think one can have negative value. And like, I just, a lot of this stuff I don't think is adding to the show. Um, I don't think Anna J's better for having been in the JAS. Um, I don't, I don't even think at this point uh what's his name um uh, Daniel Garcia I, I, like
3: they wow. had something and they I lost I called it?
2: him what's his name yeah. I like 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 he he slipped my mind like yeah, because, he's now
3: become that yeah
2: yeah he's slipped my mind he's becoming like literally an afterthought
3: and and we're doing the uh
2: and we've repeated the same like storyline multiple times now with him which Jericho
3: again? Again,
2: that's him. That's on him. That's on him. When when Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia and like all these wrestlers who get sucked into the Jericho universe end up circling around the drain again and again. Like Jericho has the power to end this. He could do something, and instead he's more like, oh, you know, let's just do the Sammy Guevara storyline again this month.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well no I, I mean it's like like you had something you had the moment to they had to turn uh garcia and they didn't and now we're back to you know him and sammy aren't going to get along eventually and it, it's the wardlow story it's it's the matt hardy and the and and andrade story it, this is the one story that they have this is their trophy thing that they you know we have dissension in this faction and it's time to turn a guy, and then it's it's all a swerve, and we don't turn him until it's time to come around again, and then it's the diminishing return thing.
2: And we're supposed to be grading Jericho in this case on a what is he bringing in terms of veteran leadership sort of curve. And I know you and I both have a tremendous amount of experience in the wrestling business. Uh, we, we talk about that all the time. Uh, no, obviously Jericho knows a lot more about the business than we do. But you know, I, I'm I'm just looking at like is is the sensibilities that Jericho is bringing to AEW really something that I would like put the stamp of Ah yes, this is this is the wisdom of the years being applied well to pave the road of the future. I would say no. I don't think anyone's learning anything by doing the Jericho Appreciation Society right now.
3: Yeah, um, and and in the other company. Is it too soon to tell or are we better off without Vince McMahon?
2: Um too soon to tell only because it's like there is a bit of an open question still of what is McMahon's role in this company? Like Yeah. Um, what is what is his influence in this company? The 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 fact that he is the majority shareholder really or like the, the you know the dominant shareholder or whatever whatever the term is um that to me I don't know it, it just it makes it I, I need more time I need more time
3: yeah okay. I am I am look i I get the feel good part of hey we're, we're bringing back the band we're bringing back all the people the old man fired that triple h liked. I just haven't seen any value from anybody they've brought back and nobody they've brought back has been kind of given the star treatment other than the Garganos who were quickly kind of chilled. The Loomis story was okay, but everybody else was, Hey, that's so-and-so from NXT and you're just, or, or whatever. Like they tried a little bit with Karrion Cross, admittedly, but nothing has hit with anybody they've brought back necessarily.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any exceptions to the.
3: Like, I thought Tegan Knox would be a big comeback, but the way they did it, it was just kind of like, mm, okay. I want to make is. her
2: a living rainbow bright doll. <laughs> uh, No, Uh, I don't think that that is the best way to present Knox, our girl. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know that there's anyone that they've brought back who's really been a big home run so far. And that, like, that to me is sort of an issue and in some cases some of the repackages have been downshifts like obviously our boy butch uh alba fire right Uh, yeah you know gunther um and you know your hope with your hope with Hunter taking back over, especially when some people did get their, who who got their name back like right in the first week. There's like a couple of people got their name back and we're like, Matthew
3: Riddle got his Matt
2: Riddle. Yeah. Right. Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle of all people, Matt Riddle gets his name back, not Pete Dunne Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Like, you know, there's, there's been some hope. Uh, I mean, look, uh, Gunther versus Sheamus was a hell of a match um and you know we we kind of thought that like with that those sorts of matches happening at the start of the hunter era maybe that, that was going to be kind of a positive trend right now that trend seems to be a bit stalled but i will also i guess qualify it with circling back to let's wait and see not to sound like candy here but it is december this is usually when businesses tend to slow down and coast for a month anyways, unless you're in a specific industry. And with mania season being right around the corner, this is usually when WWE takes a little bit of a breather because the next four months here ends up being a big push until they get to May, June.
3: Predictions for 2023, Chris. Uh, I will start with a few. Um, that I think are going to happen. I do think, I think FTR leaves AEW. I don't know if they go back to WWE, or they do take the break, but I do think that they're going to end up losing all three of these titles, and they are going to go off TV for a while. I do think that um, I think Vince McMahon tries to get back into power with WWE. Now, I don't know if it's a matter of doing something behind the scenes at a board meeting with his voting shares, or if he tries to use that to get somebody ousted off of the board. But I do think that Vince McMahon is going to cause some trouble for this new regime in some way.
2: It was never over for him. Right? Exactly. Like he, he didn't go out on his own terms and we, we, I don't want to keep saying we talked about this in the last episode, but I'll recap real quickly. On the last episode, we were talking about, mcmahon's psychology and and i think a really important inflection point that has not been at least i haven't seen it explored yet by youtube content deep dive creators and i think there's something really worth digging into there now especially knowing what we know now about the story the final six to eight weeks of mcmahon on television oh it's terrible no, I know, but I also thought it was really revealing. And at the time, I kept saying, this is very psychological. There's a lot of stuff going on, and we, we didn't understand everything that was going on, but it dripped of nothing other than, like, I am writing my feelings out on a page, and now we are going to act them out on TV. Like, it, that's all that was going on there every time he was on television. And this was a man clearly going through it. We have seen a lot of pictures uh, since McMahon left the company. He looks miserable yeah. in every photo we've seen, at least I've seen, of him. Uh, the, the you know Cody will text me, and you know I'll see them occasionally on the internet as well. Uh, of McMahon, he looks, he looks like you know like he hates life and.
3: It makes sense. Are those photos with him with like 30 year old women? Where Yeah. I'm a, I'm a man who likes women. If you're just like, yeah, oh,
2: right, right. Like, like I like bodacious babes. Yeah. Like, no, like yeah, get him, Vince. I'm a man uh, with feelings. I'm, I'm, I'm so <laughs> no, no. I mean, honestly, every time I see him out with the woman, like was substantially younger than him. It, to me, it just reeks of, I'm not dying. I'm not dying. I'm not yeah. dying. Yeah. And,
3: validate me. Validate me. Validate me.
2: And, Like on the last episode, we talked about Vince's morality very much being a morality of winning, like a winner's morality. Yeah. Yeah. To win is to be good. To be good is to win. And winners winners win because they are good. And it is, you know, it's good to win. It's like this sort of self validating thing. I think the flip of that, that like we also maybe underappreciate or we certainly didn't opine on last time, is that to lose is death and that losing is dying. And that, like, for Vince here, like, to not somehow end this story with him back in the company would be a tremendous failure. It would be, it would be death in and of itself.
3: It would be demoralizing to that roster. It would, it would absolutely. I mean, Return? not only not only oh, backstage, god. not only backstage with the family, but with the talent too.
2: Oh god, it'd be, it'd be, de- it, it like that. I think it'd be demoralizing for the crowds, even.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, the people I, who I think. Know.
2: I think enough people would. Um, I like. I, I. I do. People are not ignorant about McMahon being. Although there is a
3: healthy portion of that fan base, I would be happy about it.
2: There is terrifying. I mean, but like at the same time, look, there's a cult of personality for the management figures of both these companies that uh, people can debate amongst themselves whether or not it's really earned, um, like, like, or if maybe it's just. People really worship powerful men or whatever, for whatever reason. I got,
3: Um, I got a couple more. If you don't Yeah, go, yeah, no, go for it. I do think, I do think Mercedes Varnado does appear in AEW before the end of 2023. I don't know if it's going to be January uh, 11th in, in Los Angeles, but I think she's headed there. Um, I think WWE gets cold feet on taking one of the titles off of Roman and giving it to somebody. And I'm thinking that unfortunately that guy is going to be Cody Rhodes. I think somebody gets cold feet about doing this because it's one of those things where maybe, maybe rock is, you know, you know, kind of playing them a little bit in terms of, will he be be back for WrestleMania or not? But I think, I think they're going to miss the opportunity to crown Cody Rhodes and they're going to try and make up for it later. And it's not going to go that well. That is, that is a prediction I have. It's not what I want, but it's a prediction I have. Uh, Anything you want to predict here, Chris?
2: Yeah, I am going to predict that the MJF title reign does not make it through 2023. I kind of agree. And I think when it is done, the assessment of it will be mid.
3: I think it's going to cause... Well let me ask you this. Okay, so so let's assume it fails. Or at least it doesn't I live fa- up. I didn't say fail. I, I said didn't say me. fail. Okay, let's say it's it is just merely mid. Does Tony back up the Brinks truck just to keep MJF or does he let him go in twenty twenty four?
2: I don't I don't know. Um I think Tony, I mean, this is the problem with Tony, right? Like, we have seen this year, psychology-wise, and we were talking about McMahon's psychology, we saw Tony have a few breakdowns publicly where we really couldn't see the nougatty core of what's going on in Khan's mind. Uh, This man, this man is besieged on all sides. He is the most, uh, you know, underdog billionaire you ever did see, Um, and... I, he like he thinks he's in like this war of attrition against WWE, and and thus anything they get is him losing. Um, and he's really he's really like deep in a zero sum mindset right now. So I do see him backing up the Brinks truck, especially if the hype train around MJF continues to be like this guy's really valuable. Um, I'm not saying he's like got no value or whatever, but. How much value does he have remains to be seen a little bit to me. I think he's he's a good talker. I think he's a good wrestler. Yeah. I don't think, I, I mean, look, his size is what his size is. So there's like a limit on his size utility. And then in terms of his match, I still need to see a little bit more before I know how I feel about like how deep the match can go.
3: Does CM Punk appear in a WWE ring before the end of 2023?
2: I'm going to go the other way. I think CM Punk is back in AEW. Ooh.
3: I, I think he doesn't appear anywhere in wrestling. I think any, he's gone. in
2: wrestling. I think okay. he's gone. See, I think Khan, ever the businessman, and again, stuck in this zero sum mindset, Ultimate and also, like, if I may cover the kids ears him being a little bit of a bitch um like I, 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 he, he is he gets owned by the
3: wrestlers his skin's a little thin, thin. let's yeah. put it that way yeah
2: and the wrestlers are able to pull his strings too a little bit like, yes. like honestly all of the colloquial term like ways that we use this like not like an engendered way sort of apply fairly aptly to him and again This is based off of, like, watching him in these press conferences here. Like, I think the wrestlers work this guy. I think that he's got thin skin. I think, like, the idea of Phil Brooks being on TV, especially after losing Regal, oh, eh, eh, ah, I think think you can actually drive the needle in the con, and then con brings back Punk. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I want to be really clear here. I'm just saying it's a thing that I think could happen.
3: I would be fascinated by that because I actually think think they do business. I I think you, I I know. I think
2: it's a business angle, right? there. I think
3: you'd get a lot of backbiting from the locker room. Don't get me wrong. I think you'd get, you know, you'd get the same people who are snarking before going to some of the newsletters and stuff like that and doing that. But I could see them go, Hey, let's do this one hot feud, like a three month program to blow off your involvement in AEW type of a thing i could see that happening
2: i mean there there's that and i, I mean look uh as we look back at this uh, to reference and quote the movie walk hard the dewey cox story the wrong kid died during <laughs> that, that, that uh, uh,
3: <laughs> that's a that's a pull uh let's let's do this then let's uh let's okay i got a couple of things here i want one surprise firing from each uh from each company and then who do you think the men's and women's title holders will be in both companies at this time in 2023
2: uh surprise firing on, or surprised. release <laughs>
3: yeah yeah Slapjack. <laughs> stop come on okay fine
2: um yeah, you're you're, you're a savage.
3: Because I think mine for WWE is Ronda Rousey.
2: Oh yeah, it's funny she got really. She's like back too, right? But um,
3: well, she hmm. never got released. She went on a break for the ch- for the kid. But I think she's done with wrestling after WrestleMania.
2: That wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, one would argue that she she hasn't really started with wrestling.
3: No, that's true.
2: Uh, a surprise release. Who did they? Um, oh, you know what? Bodie Hayward. Surprise release for me. I, I don't know. If he's the number one, but like he's already guy? been released. What?
3: He's already been released. You said surprise release. Oh, I thought I meant for next year. I didn't mean for this year.
2: Oh, for this year. Oh for this oh, yeah, for, oh for next year for 2023. Oh, I, thought asking, I thought you were asking me,
3: you know, like, <laughs> I was very surprised by that too to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, I know I, I I'm like,
2: <laughs> the guy did everything right. I don't know what the yeah, you're like no. All right. Um a surprise release for next year. Um who doesn't who does not make it next year on on WWE. Trying to think of one
3: of AEW while you're thinking. Mm. So hmm because there's a number because that 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 I, roster's pretty okay
2: eo shirai okay yeah
3: especially if vince comes back
2: yeah i i i could see like look they don't they don't know how to present her uh if you are an eo fan and i like her and everything but if you're an eo fan and you're watching her right now you, you gotta be pulling your collar a little bit this is a this is a generational talent and she's being presented as the third in a shitty faction
3: yes <laughs> yeah it's yeah but
2: <laughs> am i wrong
3: no you're not wrong and i'm, I'm sad about that because i really, no, really I, do
2: I don't think I'm that's that. i don't think it's a good i'm not saying that's good like 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 obviously we think everyone in this faction is good like it's not there's nothing to do with damage control the personnel being bad wrestlers but man EO's, EO Sky's presentation versus EO Shirai. The the disparity there is is massive. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the difference, you know, between like a toy Godzilla and actual Godzilla.
3: Yeah, this will not be a surprise release necessarily, but, you know, for the level they are, maybe I think both Andrade and Roosh are out of AEW by the end of next year. Mm, okay. hey, Andrade probably won't be back. After this "quote-unquote" suspension and his surgery, but I think Roosh also wears out his welcome, knees he's gone by the end of the year.
2: I'll go one more. Okay. Um, I think at least one member of the Blackpool Combat Club is gone by the end of the year, and not Wheeler yuta
3: No, I could I could see um, I can see Cesaro gone. I could see yep. Daniel. I could see Brian Danielson being yeah. tired of this. Yeah, Moxley, I can't. Moxley is just. Oh no, I'm not saying
2: no. Not Moxley, although, you know. um, Yeah. I you know Papa Trip. If Papa trips No, no, he
3: he he, no, he's not a WWE guy. He'll never go back.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, he you know after the hot dogs, you're right. The hot dog truck. Yeah. Yeah,
3: No. No, that won't ever happen. No, Um,
2: no, no. I'll never get a reunion. For
3: champions, I think okay. In WWE, you're gonna have the title split again. And I think one's gonna be Cody Rhodes, probably crowned at Survivor Series or or maybe even SummerSlam. And on the other one, I think Brock Lesnar. I'll go with that. I think Brock and Cody are your two title holders in in for the men and for the women. I, you know, I'll go fairly chalk. I think I think SmackDown it'll be Roxanne Perez. I think she'll get brought up after the mania. And I think on Raw, it'll probably be Rhea Ripley. And then an AEW men's champ. Uh, I'm going to say Brian Danielson. I, I think. I think eventually. Or, I don't know. Maybe not Danielson because they're going to MJF already with that. So how about this? How about Hangman Page as your AEW champion going in 2024, and your women's champion probably Britt Baker.
2: Mm, okay. I most want to like okay I I like uh, Britt Baker probably the champion going into 24 yes. right that that feels fairly strong I, it just as we've discussed with Hater it, it, it Hater's story is still very much an adjunct to Baker's story right AEW's men's champion I think that Jack Perry oh. is ultimately the guy who is going to get the belt here um I like, like that. Yeah. He, if, if
3: they can if they can tell the story. I yeah,
2: like they can no man, they can tell the story, especially like both like with MJF being a childhood star, you know, childhood celebrity, Perry being the son of an actor. Like like they, there's there's some real interesting like tensions between the two guys. Uh and I look look, Jack Perry's not a bad wrestler. Um obviously he's no action in Dready, as evidenced by the records against Chris Jericho, but like I think that there's a lot of room for Perry to grow. And I, I think that he would be a good choice. The question will be like against my prediction here is like, is Tony Khan going to stay stuck in the hell loop of let's wait one time too many every single time for every single story. Beat. The but-
3: dusty thing. Cause dusty had this problem too, where it's like, uh-huh. who's going to be the guy to, to unseat flair. And it's like, he'd always wait one cycle too late to do it with Barry, with sting, with Luger. And, and then it would always be well i gotta put the belt back on me type of a thing
2: right and, and like yeah no you have this with hater and you had this with the acclaimed and you had this i mean there's, there's a number of different people who who get stuck with this one time too many sort of uh look sl- like wardlow i guess would be kind of a good one time too many thing um and, and i guess theoretically wardlow could be in the title huh? but i for some reason i mean at this point, if you were going to put chips on Wardlow or Jack Perry, who are you putting chips on? It's, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm putting chips on Jack Perry. There's been...
3: Wardlow could be a guy that gets unhappy and and asks to leave or get cut. I could see that happen, too.
2: He actually wouldn't be. He would be a pretty good surprise release candidate as well in the sense that, like, um, I think it would be very surprising to people like leaving this year. This is a guy who had what was supposed to be a you know signature pay-per-view ending, you know, moment in his career or whatever, and it got completely nerfed. And the the company never got him back on track. They they completely derelicted him. Yes. Yeah, I so I I could totally see him being like why would I stay here? Mm-hmm. And, and if if you're sitting from, you know, world-loss position, what is the point? Like like they, they it, there's it's almost the real kiss of death to get pushed as much as Wardlow was and then just have it all evaporate.
3: Well, WWF man, they love doing this, they love taking your guys, these jacked up dudes who other places. Oh, you're not doing as well as you should be. Come on over here and just give them the monster push, or at least they used to. That would used to be a Vince special, you know. So, yeah, I, I could see that happening too. Uh, who do you have in uh, WWE?
2: uh for champions. Um yes. I like the Cody Rhodes thing feels like it's got to happen at some point this year.
3: Yeah, but that also feels like it's going to be one pay-per-view too late to me.
2: Yeah, yeah, no I'm with you. I'm with you. Like SummerSlam Survivor Series it does it does feel like it's it's going to be late. Um in terms of the other one, I think the Lesnar as champion era is over.
3: Okay. Yeah, ex so, I'm perfectly fine with that.
2: Yeah, I, I I don't I just I think that they have gotten colder feet on like okay the main event Brock look they got a, they got a ton of mileage out of that yeah nearly a decade of this like you know like herky jerk Brock pushing stuff but but like it we've I think we hit the rocks with that a little bit too um uh, so then the question would be like who would be the other champion here. Hmm. Kevin Owens. I, I think you know. Would he be the? I think it might be a hot potato situation. I think Cody might be the fixed champion, and then once they get the belt off of Roman, I, I think I mean, the red herring here is thing is give, the, the,
3: give give Owens the ceremonial type run. Yeah, or well, we, season
2: and start a rotation for like you know yeah. six months or whatever. Like like that potato does kind of hot potato on or, the
3: SmackDown title probably.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's but the
3: one that they don't care about. <laughs> right.
2: Well, uh, and that would kind of tie into my other prediction of they are not going to probably hang on to the Fox deal. I think ultimately WWE just consolidates fully into NBC here.
3: I was. Re- yeah, I was reading that article. I didn't want to bring it up because it's just innuendo and analysis type thing. But, man, I think God, I think Fox is giving them something great here in terms of over two million a, a week on Friday night. Mm. i mean i could see fox overpaying to put them on fox sports one though to move them to the cable channel because you know it's one of those things well you know we don't want this trash on our network but we can put it there but i also think doing that i think peacock slash nbc universal might overpay for this but then we'd get then we get the same like monday tuesday wednesday on usa glut right. was-
2: i mean i just in, in my gut i i think, like, look, WWE did kind of an interesting... It, it's a gamble. It's a big gamble. I don't know. I love it. But if this works out, like, essentially, they put Fox and NBC, M- NBC in a situation where, like, NBC wants to... You know, like they're playing a game of Monopoly here, and NBC wants to get the full set of yellows here. So NBC will probably overpay to get the full set, and Fox is in the seller position. So, I I mean, I think equilibrium was ultimately Fox exits this, NBC gets everything, and WWE probably gets paid more than they're worth. uh, Yeah,
3: Yeah. and I think think they are. It's funny because then you're going to hear, they get paid more than they're worth, and then you're going to hear, you know, I love me Uncle Dave. But Uncle Dave's going to say, well, you know, AEW could probably then go get more than they're worth from somebody else, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, good luck with that.
2: And <laughs> hey, I think I, no, I think I, casting is cool.
3: Well, I think it's gonna be a one-to-one thing. And I just think WWE still has the shelf space as opposed to AEW in terms of name recognition, etc. And and plus they've been they've been in bed with Peacock slash NBC for so long now that that they'll just overpay to keep them just to keep that synergy going, as opposed to we want this live wrestling product on our networks type of thing, which I think like, like they've always, they love doing the UFC stuff and they love the wrestling stuff and the television rights and the NFL just got a big deal with YouTube TV for their Sunday ticket, et cetera, et cetera. And then we look and we go, well, what does that mean for AEW? And I'm like, these are all vastly different products. So we'll hear a lot of that in the narrative, but
2: uh, yeah. and And I think, you know, what does that mean for AEW? The big difference between AEW and WWE is that when you say WWE, people either think you mean WWF because they're older, yes. and that's what they remember, or they know what WWE means immediately. And so the the letters that spooted out of your mouth there implied wrestling. When you say AEW, that to a person who does not follow professional wrestling, which is most normies could just as well be the power company. And like, that is the difference between name recognition between these two companies right now. And so like, yeah, it it's, I get how in some ways, yeah, it's good to now do analysis of the performance, but AEW still has a lot of work to do to catch up with the name recognition that WWE has, and that affects their marketability.
3: Right. Well, that's all I got. You got anything else?
2: no i don't just another cup <laughs> how's your nog oh, how's your nog I, 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 I just
3: a fresh cup of that jeffrey so we
2: can stay <laughs> on here and we, can, we get to the nougatty core of uh a life's the mysteries if you want to no I, I
3: look we're a wrestling show no, we don't need we did not need core I, I, mysteries. no I, I actually see
2: you say that but i view this show <laughs> as a healing show that discusses wrestlings as a means to an end
3: when was the last time you were healed by this show chris
2: I don't know. A lot of people say I'm a heel.
3: <laughs> no, no you can follow me on Twitter at crap game 13. You can follow the show at shake their mouth. We are part of the voices of wrestling podcasting network. Hey, guess what? We did a secret Santa thing on voices of wrestling. Go read all those articles, watch all those matches. I've already apologized for trashing the gift that I got. Cause I got mankind versus Santa Claus in a boil room brawl, which I did not enjoy at all, but you know, There's a lot of good matches other than the ones that I got. I gave a good one. I gave a psychosis versus Ray Mysterio from ECW television, the two out of three falls one. That was a great match, but yeah, Uh, (laughs) but yes, go enjoy the flagship and the other content within there. Uh, Chris, you can follow on Instagram. He's going to tell you about all his projects and his big move to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Give a street address while you're at it too, Chris. Yeah, I'm going to give people the street address (laughs) my
2: new place in Albuquerque. People, (laughs) I'm loading into a truck while I'm loading stuff into a truck, and then I'm taking that truck and picking up a trailer in Fort Worth and then driving that to Rio Rancho and then dropping off the truck and, like, unloading my car. And anyways, moving to Albuquerque, it's going to be really cool. And that's exciting. You can follow the move at... Instagram.com slash doctor D O C T O R underscore N O V. That's Dr. Nove. That's also where I put up music type things. And there will be a lot of music releases coming in the like spring part because like all the tracking and stuff is done now. And we're just getting like final mixes on things. So that's going to be exciting. Follow on Instagram. If you want guitar lessons, it's also great. It's the season, not just for HelloFresh, but also for New Year's resolutions. Like this year, I'm going to learn guitar. Why not do it? Why not be somebody?
3: Huh? (laughs) Once again, we'd like to thank HelloFresh. Use code uh, VOW eighteen, correct, Chris? Or is there? Yes, it is America's number one meal kit. And get what seventy or you eighteen? 18 you get eighteen free, and free shipping.
2: It shipping's always free.
3: Okay, cool. Well, yeah, for yeah, that. no,
2: no, no. They, they liberated that.
3: <laughs> not sure if we're gonna do, if I'm gonna do a show next week. If I do, Chris will not be here. But if something big happens, maybe I'll roll on and cut an hour with somebody. But uh, we will see you in 2023, and we'll see if any of these bad predictions we made will come true. if I can end this show. Here we go.